This morning, I have the privilege of um, calling up our speaker. We love him to pieces. He is the spiritual father of this church, Pastor Chris. <laughs> Thank you, O oh children. Uh, uh, before I begin, um, can, can I have some praying music? Because uh, I, I want to I start by informing you this morning that I'm going to inform you this morning. Um, and the trouble with informing is that sometimes it just becomes knowledge. You walk out thinking, oh, that was interesting. But this morning, I, I want it to be slightly different because uh, wh- what I want to do this morning is to change something, not in the building or, or not in me, or perhaps in me, but also in you. And I, I want to break something, not, not violently, <laughs> but we, can't, we come to church and we hear the Word of God. And we, we come with what, what uh, Dr. Tim Mackey says is categories. We put everything into categories. And he says God is actually wanting to break a lot of our categories, to actually shift us out of ways of thinking that we have, even though that we might think they're the right way of thinking. And even, even though they may be habitual and, and we may have had them for ages and think they're right, there's always something new in God. But to get that new thing into us, sometimes we have to get rid of the old thing. We can't just pile new things on top of old things because we forget some of them. And some of the old things don't support the new things because they're wrong ways of thinking. And so I want us this morning just to, just to pray before I start to preach and just to take on board the fact that God is here to change something in us, not just to feed us with information. His Word is full of great information, but it's actually meant to go deeper. It says that the the Word of God is like a two-edged sword, sharper than anything that can divide the truth. It's actually there to cut things. It's actually there to cut bindings from the past. It's there to cut cut away the, the things that hold us back and to actually bring us into a new place. So will you pray with me this morning that we can do that when we hear the Word of God, that we can actually accept that Jesus is changing something in us. So Lord, I thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit doesn't just rest on us, but blows through this place like a holy wind. I thank you, Lord, that things are going to be swept away that have been holding people back. I thank you, Lord, that misconceptions are going to disappear in the blink of an eye and a new revelation, a fresh understanding, a new intimate knowledge of you is going to enter our hearts as we study your word this morning, as we understand you, as we discover the depth of your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys can take your seats. Thank you. You can all take your seats, including Alex, who's wonderfully done things on drums and doesn't want any more attention brought to him. (laughs) But uh, that was great worship this morning. Who loves it when they're they're energised to sort of worship God, to get excited about what he's got planned for us? I'm going to continue that with perhaps a little less singing. No, I'm, I'm paid not to sing. Um, who remembers last week? Who has no idea because they weren't there or just because they were there but they were asleep? Um, 
I preached it, and I struggle to remember sometimes what I preached. But the basic gist of what I preached was the fact that in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, we discover that God is not as simple as we'd like him to be. He's actually really complex. And the way that the, the Hebrew authors get this complexity across is that they, they talk about God's attributes and God's, um, and God's different um, sort of actions, if you like, uh, as separate people, which to us is a little confusing. Um, but there's, that leads to the, the, the New Testament. And we get to, who do we get to meet in the New Testament? Jesus. And so we, we, get this, we get this extra layer of complexity, if you like. Um, and we understand it because most of us have read the New Testament. Is that right? But the, the guys in the Old Testament didn't, didn't get a prepub. Of, of the New Testament. There was no, no galley proof for them to actually look at or anything. So that, they didn't know. And it's, it's, I think it's highlighted in, in this, um, this vision of Daniel's. If we look in Jan, Daniel chapter 7, we've got the fact that he has a vision. And he talks about this vision. Uh, it's obviously a pretty long one because this one, it says, as my vision continued that night. So this isn't all of it. But this is important. He says, I saw someone like a son of man. Now remember last week we talked about the term son of man actually just means a member of humanity. And so this is a human being coming in with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one. Uh, some, some of your translations will say ancient of days. It's basically talking about God the Father. And was led into his presence. He was given authority, honour and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. I want you to think about that. He was basically not just said, oh, here, you, you, can, you can have a country. It wasn't like, yeah, there's the world. Um, you can have a bit of control there. It says, honour, sovereignty and authority over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And we think, yeah, that's, 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 they're talking about Jesus. I mean, we know that. What's the big deal? This is this whole idea I want to get across this morning about categories. You see, they were sitting there... The, Nobody had told them about Jesus. In fact, they didn't know his name was going to be Jesus. They, they didn't know anything about this. And suddenly, can you imagine this Daniel guy comes and you're a people. Just imagine you're, you're all Jewish people. Some of the men we might have to take outside to make that true. Um, <laughs> sorry, too much. <laughs> or Robin Hood, men in tights. <laughs> They're snicking. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'll move away from there. Um, but you, your, your focus has been on the fact that you worship one God, Yahweh, the God of Israel. He's the one God to worship. He is transcendent. He is way above anything that we can imagine. We don't understand his ways, but we worship him because he is the God. You know, he's in the temple. He, we know his history. He was a cloud of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and all of these things we know of Yahweh. And suddenly this guy Daniel comes and says, oh, by the way, I saw a human being, one of us, elevated to the right hand of God and he was given all authority to rule over all the earth. And that is not one of the categories that the Jewish people believed. He, Daniel suddenly comes and says, you know how special God is? There's a human who's going to be like God. And that have gone... <laughs> Do we burn him or do we hang him? This is, this, is her this is the worst sort of category breaking 
that they could imagine because they were not ready to understand what God's plan was for humanity and what God's purpose was. And so when Daniel comes with this, we, we might think of it as, it's, it's a great prophecy. It tells us that Jesus is coming and we know Jesus came, so it's true. Excellent. Woo, I love it. But they were horrified and shocked by this sudden new thing that Daniel had, and they knew that Daniel had heard it from God. This was the thing. They, were, they weren't doubting Daniel, but it was a question of what is God doing? How is God going to do this? And they had to wait 400 years to find out. You're only going to have to wait a couple of minutes. How blessed do you feel right now? Because the interesting thing is that when Jesus was born, and when he started his ministry, what did he call himself? Did he go around saying, I am the Messiah? By the way, I'm the Christ. My name's Jesus. He didn't. He referred to himself as the Son of Man. More often than not. He used other titles occasionally, but the Son of Man. So he, echoing here, what we hear in Daniel was that he was the person who was fully human and yet was also fully God. And he had come and he, he described himself as that to show people God's plan for humanity was not to be like the God of Israel, above mankind, ruling mankind, and mankind being subservient. But he wanted to raise up mankind as co-rulers of this creation with him in heaven. And the way he was going to do that was through Jesus. And so the Gospels portray Jesus as fully God and yet fully, uh, fully human. But as God, he was Yahweh, the God of Israel, because he went around doing and saying things that only Yahweh was allowed to do. Uh, we, we know in, uh, where is it? in Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals that paralyzed man and, and basically says, your sins are forgiven. And all the Pharisees go, you're not allowed to say that. Only God can say that. And then there was that, that episode in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus walks on the water. What was the water like when Jesus was walking on it, by the way? Does anyone remember? Stormy. And it's interesting, Jesus walked on stormy water. As soon as he got on the boat, the water's calmed. It says a lot for our ability to handle stormy waters versus Jesus' ability, I think. But only God does that sort of thing. You don't find too many stories of people walking out to boats and having the seas calm when they step on the boat. Um, the seas calm when they step on the boat. I can understand the walking on the water bit. Whoa. So the gospel authors are saying that Jesus is a human distinct from God and also God, which might sound crazy unless you've been reading the Hebrew scriptures, which prepare you for it. So when Jesus' followers encounter God as Father, Son and Spirit, they're not as freaked out as we, we might be because they've already read the Hebrew scriptures and they've, they've already got a framework to understand that God is more complex than we understand him to be. And so they, they could understand that Jesus could actually be human, but also the one God of the Bible. And so not surprisingly, the apostles, when they talked about him and, and wrote the Gospels about Jesus, used the language of God's attributes to actually describe Jesus. Um, he was called things like the glory of God. Uh, one, 2 Corinthians 4.6 says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 says, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. 
the Apostle Paul called Jesus both the power of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1.24. By those, but to those God called to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So can you see there's a similar pattern happening here that the New Testament authors are echoing the Old Testament by personifying things like the power of God and the wisdom of God uh, and the glory of God. Um, it, he goes on further in 1 Corinthians 30 to actually say it was for our benefit that God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. And John, of course, who knows that John's gospel is often called the love gospel? John goes overboard with things. And so John starts off his gospel by calling Jesus the word of God. Uh, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we have this, this convention from the Old Testament that personalises God's attributes as distinct from God, but also God, uh, and it's extending into the New Testament language to describe our interactions with God. And you might think, that's, well, that's, that's very nice. It's, it's great to understand that some of these, these pictures we're getting of God or of Jesus are, are sort of brought across from that to, to personalise how our interaction with God should be. But the fascinating thing is it goes, it goes a step further because it's how Jesus interacts with God the Father that actually makes it really interesting because who knows there are names for God all over the Bible, ruler, judge, all sorts of things. But Jesus basically only called God one thing, my Father. Whenever he went off to pray, he prayed to my, his father. Uh, we had a, a, an interesting discussion in, in dinner party about what that actually means, the, the fatherhood of, of God to Jesus. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how we understand that. But everything that Jesus did, he, he saw God as his father. There was, there was that love between the father and the son. But interestingly, and this is... This is this is so clear. When Jesus gets baptised, his father speaks to him and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But who does he speak to Jesus through? Who comes down on Jesus like a dove? The Holy Spirit. And you see, that should, that should automatically resonate with us because who, who do we connect to God through? The Holy Spirit. And, it's, and Jesus, so Jesus wasn't just here as God telling us what we should do. He was here modelling a, a way of connection with God that is actually how God connects. I mean, we connect to our Father through the Holy Spirit. We talk about Jesus being connected through the Holy Spirit because that's the way that we get to do it. Because you, I don't know about you, but I've often thought that God arranged things just so that we fairly horrible human beings not very capable. We needed the Holy Spirit so that we could connect with God. And so it's sort of like a second best compromise. 
You know, we, we, can't get, we can't get in touch with Jesus because he's gone back to be with the Father. The Father's way too holy to connect with us. So he's got this Holy Spirit guy who comes down here and, and, and dirties his, his hands by connecting with us. We, we, we can have, I mean, has anybody ever sort of thought that perhaps that's the way God gets away, away with connecting with us without having to touch us? Because we're horrible, dirty sinners and the glory of God we can't match. Because we, we should understand from this that the Holy Spirit didn't come for us because he was the only way available to us through God. He came to us because that's the way that the Father and the Son connect already. And if he wants us to be like Jesus, if if we are to take our place as co-rulers on the throne of God with Jesus, then we need to connect with God the same way Jesus does. And so the Holy Spirit isn't a second best choice, isn't a stopgag, isn't just the only, the only thing they had left over so that dirty humanity could connect with the Holy God. We have been brought into a circle where Jesus and his Father connected with each other through the Holy Spirit and we have been allowed that same privilege to connect with our Father. You sort of think, now why would God do this? Because he thinks we're dirt? Thinks we're terrible? Thinks we're horrible? I don't think so. And so, you know, we've got this, this picture of Jesus as, as God become human. And he connects with Almighty God as his Father. And he connects through the Spirit of God. And so, we can see from this that Jesus' experience of God was actually an experience of love. And it's interesting in um, John chapter 17, verse 24, he says, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Now, and we had this discussion in our dinner party as, as well because that's an odd thing to say. Jesus was loved before the creation of the world. It begs the question, what was God doing before he created the world? And we had quite a, a robust discussion about what happened before the, the world was created. I think, I think humanity version 2.0 came up somewhere in the conversation. Um, there were all sorts of uh, ideas that perhaps God was just lazing around, um, that uh, you know, he was sparked to have an idea because he'd had nothing to do for millennia and, and, and stuff like this. There were all sorts of ideas. And it's a great discussion to have, mainly because nobody's right, because we don't know, except for the fact that we know that Jesus was loved by his Father before creation. And therefore, we, we, can, we can take a, a leap of faith or a leap of logic even to say that before God created the world, he was a loving creator. That he actually was thinking of others as well, that he loved Jesus. And Jesus felt that love. And so that's pretty big love. I mean, saying it's infinite is probably not stretching the truth. And so that we know that our creation, the creation of the world wasn't a whim on God's part. It wasn't just this idea, well, let's try something we haven't done before. It actually came out of God's nature that he was a loving God, that his vision and purpose has always been for others, and that this, our creation, is actually a natural outworking of who God is. And so we could discuss that for hours, but... 
you know, we, we just don't know. But it's a great thought to actually know that God didn't just start to love us because he created us. He actually loves us out of an innate personal characteristic of God that existed way before he even created our universe. And so in this story then, we can see that what the Father says from heaven is carried to earth by the Spirit of God to his Son. And we can actually interact with God in exactly the same way. And although, and we talked about this last week, it looks as though sometimes there's three distinct gods, but they are actually all just one God. And I don't know about you, but that just messes with my reality. I, I, I don't know how that happens. Um, I, I like that little diagram I showed last week of how the two dimensions and three dimensions work, but it really doesn't help my brain come to grips with the fact that um, I can sense the Spirit of God, but that's not just His Spirit, that's Jesus and God at the same time, but it's His Spirit separate from both of them. and um, it, It's, it's mind-blowing. But that is what the followers of Jesus actually started to be called the Trinity. The Father, Son and the Spirit are the one God of the Bible. And you might think, well, that's a great philosophical puzzle. And you know, if, if I was a theologian, that'd be great to talk about. Uh, if I was a philosopher, that's a good discussion to get into. But how does that relate to me every day? How does that relate to my walk? How does that relate to the fact that I'm struggling with uh, finances? I'm struggling with my relationships. I'm struggling with my job. I'm struggling with my car. I'm struggling with illness, whatever. Because there's always something in our lives. You ever notice that? I always get slightly worried when things start to go smoothly. Because I sort of think it's probably just a time to take a breath before the next thing comes along. But it actually is important to us because when we describe God as a triunity, it's not something that only theologians get excited about. And, I, and I've put this up on the screen because I think it's actually really important. Because to believe in the Trinity is to claim that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. It's not something we can understand, but the God of the Bible isn't a being that we understand. The point is to be known and know God so that we can participate in his love. And that's what we're called to do. If we, the, the reason that we need to understand how God works in our lives is so that we can actually grasp how much God loves us. Because that's his purpose, to love us. And he has called us to love him. And we know he loves us because it says, you know, we were loved before we loved him. And the expectation that we love him only comes from an invitation, which I'll talk about a little later. But initially, can I, can I get the band up? Because who loves that song, Good Grace? Because I think... One of the most important things we can tell ourselves is that God is actually madly in love with us. Because all too often we are so down on ourselves, we can't imagine how God could love us. We are so frustrated with circumstances in life, we can't see how God can be in the picture of our lives. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that, that God has put us here for a purpose. His purpose hasn't changed just because our circumstances have. That his love for us hasn't changed just because what we're experiencing isn't what we expected. 
who's ever had that happen. And so I think it's great that we remind ourselves that God actually does love us. And so can I, can I invite you to stand? And we're going to sing that song through. And I want you just to think about what I've told you this morning about God, about how Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit interact with each other and how Jesus' death on the cross enabled us to actually participate in the Trinity in the same way that the Father, Son and the Spirit do. That we are actually in a place where that interaction should be part of our lives exactly the same way as it was part of Jesus' life. And that we have actually been called not as as insignificant ants or worms, but co-rulers of our creation with Jesus Christ if we are prepared to accept him and to listen to the Holy Spirit. So let's sing with that in mind. Let's open our hearts to a fresh revelation that God does love us. So can we sing that? Hey, just while we're standing here, just want to read you something. It's coming around. I want you to think on this. The Bible isn't just giving some new ideas to think about God. It's an invitation to know your Creator and discover why you exist in the universe. And the answer, it turns out, is remarkably simple. You exist to be loved, just as Jesus was loved from eternity past by His Father. And so while we're standing here, I just want to issue an invitation. If you could like to bow your heads and close your eyes. We exist to be loved by God and His desire is that we love Him in return. But He won't force that love on us. He's given us free will. So His love flows into our lives, but we don't get the benefit of it unless we accept that love and accept that He is our Lord and our Saviour and our Creator. And we can do that just by by speaking to Him, by saying, Lord, I thank You, I accept that love that You have given me. And I purpose for the rest of my life to love You back, to live as Jesus wants me to live, to start walking a path with a Creator God, with His Son and with His Holy Spirit in my life. And we can do that right now. If you've never done that before and you'd like to say, look, I accept the love of God. I want to walk from this point on as a child of of the Almighty God. Or if you've done that before and you know that you're not walking like that, know now that God will accept our changing our mind as many times as it takes to actually get us firmly on a path of connection with Him. And so if that's you this morning, you just want to reconnect or you want to connect for the first time with Jesus and His love, can I ask everybody just to close their eyes for a moment? And if that is you, can you just raise your hand so I can see it? And I'd love us to pray a prayer together to actually invite the love of God into your heart this morning. Is there anyone at all? Raise your hand up nice and high if there is. Love to pray with you. Awesome. I can't see a hand, but I want us to pray that prayer anyway, because it's great just to remind ourselves of our relationship 
with Jesus Christ. So could you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank You that You died on a cross for me. I accept Your love into my life. And from this moment on, I return that love by rejecting all other gods, accepting You as my Lord and Saviour, and dedicating my life to being one of your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.